0: It's December third, twenty twenty. This is Rook. Well, on the way to exploring different personalities and voices across the Persian diaspora, you'll come across folks who will surprise you with their personal journeys and how they've created a space to connect with others. How about an Iranian-American woman who was a VP in the banking industry, left to become a successful portrait photographer, and now runs a very popular internet webcast talking about life, love, relationships and identity. Kusha al is the host and creator of Kusha's Corner and Car Talk with Kusha, and she joins us for a feature interview today plus the rook team has assembled with a variety of opinions and a barrel of letters this is conversations from to and about the iranian diaspora i'm Gian gomeshi this is rook Well hello there. Welcome to episode number sixty-seven of Rook. Number sixty-seven. Hope you are in good spirits, managing the lockdown one way or another, wherever you are in the world. Omidwar Hastanke Garantinitun okay Boshe. Hi, Keon. Hi, Gian. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you? You know what? What?
0: We are on an ongoing mission.
1: We sure are. To
0: build a new audio visual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. Coming to you on SoundCloud. Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Telegram. Which platform do you use, Keon?
1: I usually use YouTube. I see. Or Spotify. Old school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it that way. Rocketed
0: old school. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you roll. Uh,
1: Very old school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. right.
0: (laughs) So today uh, we have an interesting feature guest, an Iranian-American woman. Who's been a very, uh, very successful portrait photographer in California, and has now started this uh, Instagram and YouTube show. You would watch her on YouTube because that you're old school. On
1: that Instagram, way. you don't in know this the case. new,
0: the new, the the, the SoundCloud, the Telegram, <laughs> the kids. Telegram. You
1: know. I don't live in Iran, so I don't use Telegram. <laughs>
0: well, see, you said that with such disdain. <laughs>
1: well, no, yeah, I mean uh, tele- Telegram is yes, predominantly yes. used by Iranians. I do True. have it. True. But, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So she's started this Instagram and YouTube show, talking to the camera from her car, usually, about life, uh, advice, relationships, lessons learned, challenges we face, anxieties. Her name is Kusha Alagban and um, she does these video monologues from inside her car and she's also started these car talks where she interviews folks notable Iranians most of them in her car and has this growing audience for what she calls Kusha's Corner. No I think You're that's staring great. at me. No no Why no, no, no. Really?
1: I'm sa- I've seen her, some of her stuff and they're yes. quite entertaining I will say that. Yeah,
0: yeah she's smart she's charismatic she's very open about her life and personal details I'm looking forward to speaking with her so she will join us from Los Angeles in just a few moments. Uh, hi Groovy Shia
2: How is Yanjan? Hi, hi. How are you? Who be Azize? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> hi, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the difference between <laughs> these two, right? that's it. Two very. I feel it's a lighter <laughs> episode today, you guys. We had a we had a heavy one on Monday, the one year anniversary of uh, of Bloody November, uh, and uh, you know we're we're due for something a little yeah, lighter today. Yeah. We, we By the way, you can see that episode or watch or listen to that episode uh, at the Hub of All Things rook our our website rookmedia.com rookmedia.com all of our episodes are there uh, our patrons page is there if you want to support us uh please do it says support us there's a little button there uh so rookmedia.com um what was i going to tell you COVID is continuing obviously i had a i had a weird thing like an annoying thing happened a couple of nights ago i would uh File this under the ongoing indiscriminate nature of mask culture mm. like like months in people still can't figure out this mask thing right so I so I went I'm, i went grocery shopping like I went to a, a supermarket it's called metro here in Toronto. It's a supermarket yeah. what do you call a supermarket in uh, in an iranian <laughs> uh, supermarket <laughs> 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 <I went laughs> <laughs> no but really it's not, it's not a map right, so it's like what is it, it? Yeah, we market. have
2: for supermarket we say Super Khorak
0: but no, for, super, for, for, for is, is Super Khorak just a place in Toronto or is that actually a, a name of like where you no, go no it's the, in Toronto oh okay, okay. <laughs> so supermarket yeah, yeah okay I, ra-
3: I oh. raft supermarket yeah. right, right. but
2: for the cozy one you can say
3: Bakkali Oh <laughs> like a convenience store or yeah. a bodega No wasn't a co- no wasn't a okay. convenience Those are store Bacali, It's a big 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 yeah, place where you do
0: all your shopping So you in Tehran you say a uh, supermarket is that the or word or super Oh super <laughs> Okay yeah. So I went to the super
3: <laughs> but also super is a is euphemism for I mean it's not euphemism it's another word for porn porn Film super Film yeah, super yeah, yeah. is really? porno yeah. film yeah, yeah.
1: Huh. That's right. The more yeah. you know, yeah.
3: well, so you don't go to super.
0: <laughs> you access super, All right? Okay. Well, so I went to the supermarket. Uh-huh. <laughs> <It's> useless.
3: <laughs> what
0: is this language of ours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went to the. Uh, I went. Anyways, I, the point is, I was. Uh, I, I need to buy some stuff, but in particular, I wanted to buy uh, some feta cheese. Now, in my family, we called feta cheese, of course, the good stuff, not this uh, run-of-the-mill. Of cheese that these, you know, that the hayvun eats. Right, like <laughs> we we uh, no it, we call it in our family. We call it panita tabriz. Uh, Is that uh, acceptable to you guys?
1: I've never heard that. Um, no, no, I heard that.
2: Actually, we would call it panita sefit. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Well, we uh, just call well, paneer. Maybe it's because my mother was Tabrizi, yeah. but we call it paneer Tabrizi. I
2: love paneer
0: Tabrizi. I love paneer Tabrizi so much that like it's if I could just eat panier de Tabriz, I would. In fact, you know when people come over for your like a party or their housewarming or their I wish people instead of bringing like a bottle of wine or flowers or whatever they they would just bring de Tabrizi. I'd be happy. Oh. I'll remember love the that. Stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. Notice
0: so there's a counter at at this my supermarket at my supermarquette, uh, it's it's turning into Italian at the supermarquette, <laughs> I go, to, hey, I get some <laughs> prosciutto. Uh, so I go and at the uh, at the supermarket there's a, a counter where the you know they they dish out the um, different deli cuts and meats and cheeses, right? Mm so I go there and because there's a these big uh bins of what do you call it <laughs> trays of, of feta cheese and you you know they'll cut it and give it to you so so there's a woman working behind there who has like a uh you know proper headscarf on and a mask and you know gloves and everything and I go up to her to say can I get some and right when I get there she walks away you know busy with another customer or something and a guy comes over who's like a uh, you know he can't be I mean must be like 21 years old like metal dude right like he's like a a rocker guy who's got like stringy like kind of hair coming out like long hair coming out of his the net that he's put on his head Mm. and uh and he's wearing a mask like that's a um First of all, the mask is like I I I appreciate that people have their own masks, but it's like some mask that's black with a rock band name on it. You know, it's like some you know Helix or like Iron Maiden or something. But I can make it out what it. Uh, So he's wearing that, and you're kind of like I I'm all in support of interesting masks. We're going to do Rook masks, Mm -hmm, actually, mm -hmm. but you know when you go into a professional environment, it's like can you just wear a regular mask? I don't know what this where this mask (laughs) has been right. So, but more so, he does the move where he's got the mask, and this is where I'm getting about the indiscriminate nature of mask culture. Do you know what I'm about to say? I
1: think I know. What, which is what? He was wearing it on his chin, or just yeah? Barely. No,
0: he's wearing, exactly, he's wearing it, no, over his mouth, but his nose is exposed. All right? All right? <laughs> now, how, right. nine months into this, or, you know, like a year into this propaganda, how can you not know how to wear a mask right in in an environment where you're gonna get me the panier de tabris in the super right yeah, yeah. so so and to make things so so my instinct is to want to go oh geez not this guy right <laughs> like g- give me the the professional woman who a second ago was gonna get the prosciutto and de tabris for me now this guy you know and before, but before I can say anything, he goes, uh, Hey, Gomeshi. Like he recognized oh. me. Oh, Dude. Okay. Also, yeah. he goes, Hey, Gomeshi and does devil's horns. Like he does the little <laughs> rock and roll thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm, I don't know how to respond to respond that. <laughs> <laughs> like, What am I supposed to do? Like, you do it back? To, like I, I didn't do it back, but I was like trying to sound young. Like I was like, Hey man, like, I don't know, you know, what am I supposed to say to him? But he, but so he recognized me and then he goes, yeah. uh, I really liked your interview with Slash. Right? Huh. Uh, from behind his rock and roll mask. <laughs> <laughs> I really like hearing interview. So uh, Slash from Guns N' Roses, yeah. a guitarist. This is an interview probably 10 years ago I did, you know, on CBC. So, so but very nice, you know, thank you. I don't know, he must have seen it on YouTube. He doesn't look older than 19 and he's like spotty faced like long hair. And so anyway, uh, so now I'm caught. Like the guy, He's actually not only am I captive to this mm-hmm. this server, but he knows who I am and he said something nice to me. I Aww. can't, you know, to say something bad. Like I can't say, oh, th- hi, hey, thanks for complimenting me on this interview from 10 years ago. Can I get that other woman to serve <laughs> me, right? It's not possible. So the guy with the exposed nose, you know, and kind of a, I have to say for a white guy, like a prominent nose too. Like he's, you know, it's like a big sort of, you know, uh, he says, what can I get you, man? Hey, Gomeshi, what can I get you? And I was like, well, I actually was gonna ask for some feta cheese, all right. So he goes and how much, how many? Well, I'm like uh, uh, 300 grams and, you know, I'm half Moon, like I'm half <laughs> like, how do I get out of this? But now I'm in, I came for the feta cheese, okay. You know. So he goes, so he cuts the feta cheese and then he goes, how's this? and holds it up you know but he's holding it close to his face Aww. and the only thing yeah. i can imagine is the molecules <laughs> what Aww. are they called the droplets you know the covid coming yeah. from his you know nose and the top of his head to the onto the the fetter right so i'm getting really freaked out and i'm like uh, uh and i'm kind of getting anxious but i, I want to close the deal you know he's like is this good this good and I'm kinda, i just want to say like move it away from your head you yeah. know so I go, yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine, you know. And uh, you want some, uh, you want some of the juice now. Of course, I want him to put it in yeah. the thing with some of the juice. So then he put. I mean, it's like he's going out of his way to put <laughs> his head close to the <laughs> to the juice. Uh, oh. What do we call a metal guy in in Farsi? Like a rocker, you know. Oh. oh honey Metal head? I don't know well, oh, actually Don't say metal head it's <laughs> oh, not good. No,
2: That's a good point I, th- I think
0: We don't have them Do we have a No what's a, no We don't have a word for rocker Like a kind of a, uh, What about like a, a, a you, know, you know a hooligan Like a guy Who's mm. you know Who's kind of a uh, I think we don't have. Uh, <laughs> really, no, don't, no, oh. don't, no, it's amazing that Iranian culture doesn't have a, a word for a hooligan. No. It would be helpful. What an outdated
1: uh, language! Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So anyway, the rocker guy is. Uh, so, so you know, he he puts the Tabriz in like a, a, a little container with some of the juice and. All I can imagine, like in now it's all psychological, like the guy probably doesn't have COVID, nothing was coming out of it, you know, but I can't stop seeing the COVID <laughs> molecules having gone in the package and he, he puts the lid on it, right? So now it's like, you know, like those lab experiments, like in Ghostbusters yeah. or something, like if you open the lid, the, the it's all going to come out, you know, so... I take it from him you know I can't say now I don't want it you've gone to all this work this kid so I take it and I go on I pay and buy some other groceries and I leave and I come home and I put it on the counter <laughs> I put it on I'm kind of just staring at this, like, what am I gonna do with it? Right? Because I can't really imagine myself opening this and eating, and eating the really? panita Tabriz without thinking about the dude's nose and the the, the, mean, the molecules and the droplets and the
1: You are the biggest germaphobe I am. I've ever I met. guess I am. <laughs>
3: and it happens <laughs> to you quite a lot the last time at the gym with the Google <laughs> yeah. the panny. <laughs> You're very
1: sensitive with masks. <laughs> but,
3: but hang on
0: a second. Would you guys eat that panilla Tabriz
3: if the guy recognized me Like the Same situation Same situation Yeah Same situation
0: with The guy with no Cover I, on his nose i feel
3: and like The hell with it Let me get COVID This yeah, guy I don't want to break his heart I know I know And, and they didn't say it can't be No I bought it <laughs> Oh you bought I'm, it. It. Yeah, I'm saying what, when I take no, it home No I, I would throw it out
0: No,
1: come on. You would not. Yeah, I would. If the guy's
3: holding it close to his
1: nose. I feel like he's exaggerating. I
0: am am exaggerating. I am exaggerating.
1: (laughs) It was like a meter away from his nose.
0: (laughs) But it was not a meter away from his nose. I just can't get the imagery out of my head. It freaked me out. So anyway, I mean, so... I got rid of the panier tabris. Oh, you did! Oh. I did. I oh. did.
1: There are. Had th- there are people I, starving. I in this know. World.
0: I know. But better I not give them the panier tabris with COVID on it. The all. hell
1: with it. Get COVID. <laughs> at that but you should
0: have brought it to me, for example. <laughs> there, you, I I had actually, a you know, for I th- it occurred you. to me. I bring it in here without telling you guys the yeah. backstory. Wow. You would <laughs> vacuum it up like you do the rest of the food here. E-
2: Even if you tell the story to me, I, I, I yep. mean, I, I don't have problem to eat that cheese. Wow. Yeah. See, that's it's next
1: time, time, time that up. happens, you bring that cheese over here. Yeah, yeah
0: I guess it so. so. I
1: know.
0: <laughs> I love the cheese. I couldn't... And I, the guy was nice, too. Yes. There's nothing wrong with the guy. But I suspect there was some there might have been some COVID there. How do you know? And he's got the nose exposed and the, it's hard to tell. With
3: Gerdu, I think Gerdu would uh, balance it, would would get (laughs) (laughs) rid of the COVID. Okay, but
1: if you put it, I don't know, leave it outside in the cold, doesn't that, doesn't the cold weather kind of take care of the germs? You know what's really (laughs) funny? I'll
0: tell you a true story. She's going to hate me telling you this. But I told my mother about this and she was like, Eva, (laughs) in <laughs> <laughs> like she was like don't eat the perishes like she okay. was she fueled my it's, anxiety. It's
1: he's paranoid about <laughs> Persian moms are the queens of exaggeration.
0: She was like get rid yeah. of that pani tabriz. <laughs> yeah. I'll make you some. I'll mine cl- some. We'll go to Iran <laughs> to get some.
1: <laughs> Burn your clothes. You probably Sorry.
2: got. It by, by the way, I think Gula would be a good. W- word for that
0: gulaq Oh ahani. it always comes back To Gulagh There's the, the <laughs> derivations ahani, Of Actually gulaq. But the guy
3: wasn't A gulag though he No he was, was a actually rocker. A little string guy But Like yeah. his skinny dude Probably like yeah. Long hair uh, Dirty
2: uh, Yeah so when When you add Ahani Maybe oh, we can oh, say it For
1: gulaq.
0: It. Gulaq. Gulaq Ahani Okay yeah.
1: That's our new word Well <laughs> no. You're welcome To the Farsi language But change.
0: doesn't Gulagh Mean big Like you know Meathead That's meathead, what Meathead Overgrown guy You can't say Just like yeah, I mean, I, I, God loved the metal dude. I hope he's not listening. He's probably—I know he's not listening. Actually, <laughs> probably hasn't listened since the Slash interview that he saw on YouTube. But, but it was very nice of him. I just, you know, I, again, you're right. It's like the gym. Mm-hmm. I should have just told the guy. Hey, bro, can you put the you know do, maybe if I did the devil's horns? <laughs> hey, man, can you put the mask back down? But then I feel like
1: he'll you know, feel offended, and, yeah, and that's
0: his guys. story for the rest of his life. You oh, know that yeah, Gomeshi yeah. guy, you know, shamed me about my mask. And <laughs>
3: like, I met him. I was a fan of his. Yeah, that <laughs> guy. <about> I liked
0: <laughs> his slash interview, but now this guy with his particularities, I don't. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. What a world <laughs> What a world What a world I'm sorry to Kusha Alakban And her fans For uh, taking up This much time Because we've got To get to everybody I, I, we got a lot of letters Right We do Because oh, I know God. We haven't done letters In three yeah, or four I episodes I took a week
1: off So uh, there's a backlog of There's a backlog, but you've
0: selected some of the the prime. Only the finest. Prime cuts. (laughs) The Uh. finest
1: for you, Jean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to get to what are they about?
1: Well, uh, we had the Sonita um, interview, the Afghan uh, rapper who's a humanitarian as well. Um, We have the episode on Maradona. Remembering Maradona, yeah. And how it relates to Persian culture, which uh, it does, for those wondering how. (laughs)
0: Was Maradona a bit of a gulag gulag (laughs) (laughs) mohany?
3: At the latest. I think he was regular gulag. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> not Ahalya. No, no, no.
0: Ahani sounds like, uh, yeah, yeah. He was gulach talai, ah, right? gulag talai. Yeah, yeah. A gold gulag, gulag yeah.
1: Was he a gulag though? He was, you know, he wasn't a large. He, I think gulag, if he
0: wasn't Maradona, and oh. he was just some guy that you saw in the street in his later years, oh, it, he later later seems years, to fit okay. the description of gulag. Oh,
2: 100 yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: percent. What a character! <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so, oh. hey, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, uh, gulag is, uh, a and, and you don't speak uh, Persian, it's, a uh, I guess, w- when we were talking about it's one of these beefy guys at the gym who's uh, really pumped up. Like a meathead. A meathead, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, g- gulag. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you were saying, Sunita, Maradona.
1: And then we, yeah, we had that episode on Monday about uh, the commemoration one year later. The protests. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, Okay, we'll get to all the letters in a little while, uh, the fabulous Keon is here, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia. Thanks, guys. Let's get to our feature guest. And our feature guest today is an Iranian-American woman who first came to prominence as a celebrity photographer capturing remarkably intimate and expression-filled moments with well-known stars and their families and loved ones. Her photographic subjects have included global icons like the late basketball legend Kobe Bryant, uh, important figures in the Iranian diaspora, and ordinary folks in extraordinary settings. That she's captured around the world. More recently, Kusha Alekman has become more recognized for her work in front of the camera than behind it. She's now the woman behind an extremely popular Instagram channel and YouTube series called Kusha's Corner. In it, Kusha makes accessible little videos where she speaks to camera and opines on all manner of subjects from daily life to the challenges of being a woman, to love, to relationships, to global affairs, and she often does so sitting in the driver's or passenger seat of a car. She also conducts engaging and entertaining interviews with friends, family, and stars in the same format, and has done recent car interviews with the likes of Max Amini, the hip-hop star Air Fawn, the comedian Tehran, as well as her trusty partner and friend Mah It has made Kusha a growing star of the internet and well worth following, and right now, the charismatic Kusha Alakban joins me from Newport Beach, California. Hello.
4: (laughs) Hi, Jian. How that quite? was quite an introduction. Wow. Was it? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Is it, you're comfortable
0: with co- being called charismatic, I hope, because you certainly come off as charismatic in, your, in all of your work.
4: That's very, very kind of you. I'm blushing right now.
0: Well uh, good. Uh, you you deserve that introduction and so much more. I'm so excited to have you on the program. Thank you for doing this. Let's let's get the obvious out of the way and a question that I know you've been you're likely sick of answering already. Why why decide to sit in a car? Why
4: why <laughs> oh, first I, of all first of it? all, are you what in you, a car?
0: The, are you currently in I a car? I am
4: <laughs> in my Tesla. In fact I need to get a sponsorship or something from like Elon Musk himself. Um, let me tell you something, I sit in this car, what's the equivalent of like a man cave? Have you thought about that? <laughs> this is like my man cave, I, you know, I, it's, your my, female you know cave. it's my female cave, if I'm not in my car, you know, my kids are my 11 year old and my nine year old and my husband, and everyone else is coming and giving me things to do and screaming at me, yelling at me, so I just come into the car for a few minutes just to have time to think.
0: So so, how did you first discover that um, sitting in a car was the right venue for you to start taping yourself on camera?
4: Honestly, it just sort of happened organically. I didn't give it much thought. Um, you know, I'm in Southern California, and as anyone that knows, we drive a lot. We're constantly driving from here to there, and I'm running errands, and I'm going to work, and I'm dropping my kids to various classes, and so in between those times when I had some free time in the car and I was just thinking about things, I would just whip out the camera and just say something. And it started from there. It, it, I really hadn't put much thought into it, to be honest with you.
0: But it also occurs to me that it's a, it really is a good venue to sort of… Um, disarm people and make people comfortable at the same time you kind of sitting in a car there's there are some distractions I would imagine but you're the person is captive to to a conversation that you're you you know you're having and and it's in a it's in a familiar kind of setting they're not walking into some studio with with lights and cameras and uh, so do you think that's part of the charm of the car as well
4: absolutely if you're referring to my car talks with other people Absolutely. I just found it was always my experience back to my, you know, back to my childhood in Iran when we used to call. The, you know, we used to uh, take all these family road trips with my parents, you know, to Shiraz and Esfahan and all those places. And then here in the states, uh, when I was in college and my friends, my best friends and I used to drive on Pacific Coast Highway and have our best conversations. I just find that the most real and authentic conversations always happened in the car for me somehow. Um, You know, we really didn't have a destination. We were very, very present and somehow just conversation flowed. And I guess subconsciously that was just my model that's just what I have have you
0: always been a conversationalist you it seems to come naturally you seem inquisitive i mean watching you, you there's no script you're just you're just somebody who feels very comfortable talking and 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 you seem like a curious person has that always just been the way you are
4: yes that's just the kind of family i come from we you know we love having wonderful conversations i really hate small talk I'm not much of a small talker. And I just, we you know, I just love getting into in-depth conversations. But what I mostly love is I, I think everyone has a story and I love hearing their stories. And I think that's part of also what I learned when I was in the private banking world many, many, many years ago, back in another lifetime. You know, that's what I learned. People have stories and it's really wonderful just to be a good listener and and see what they have to say
0: well i'm going to ask you about the banking world (laughs) Uh, because it's it's interesting that that's where you emerged from but but (laughs) uh, but when you talk about telling a story you've also said you've said we come, I guess, in reference to Iranians uh, or those of us uh, of Iranian descent like you and I. You say we, we've come from a culture that is shame-based and based mm-hmm. on perfectionism. Yep, I got that. And, and, and yeah. you've said, I wanted to let a lot of that shame go by telling stories. Can you explain that?
4: I, it's my opinion that you know, we do come from a shame-based culture. A perfectionist culture, you know. Like think about the concepts like oberu, you know. We're constantly being threatened. mire, mibaran, you know. Right. So we have what is this what is aberu
0: in English? We know there isn't even an equivalent Gosh, of Auberu, I don't is even There.
4: No, what is there? Ask Shaya. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> It'd be like uh, aberu would be like uh, status. Your status will be diminished somehow. Yes. Or
4: yes. Your yeah. status will be then. You'll be tarnished or something like right, that. I right. would imagine. And so, um, you know, when you grow up with that kind of a, uh, when that kind of a, could you, I, I wonder if this is the right way to put it, like collective consciousness, I suppose, it's really difficult to be authentic. It's really difficult to be seen. It's really difficult to be heard. So you really have to do some real work and deep digging to, um, you know, find your authentic self. And, you know, that's what I've tried to do and I keep practicing for myself.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that because of the nature of our culture then, you've probably, I mean, we'll get to more in depth in terms of the kind of t- things you talk about, but, but you've, you've probably been shamed <laughs> by, by, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you have there are Iranians, maybe um, other Iranian women I don't know if men would feel comfortable doing this with a woman, but who say, why are you opening up so much? why are you talking about our Ooh, dirty laundry? Yeah. why are you you know do you get bassy, you know like, enough already with the I, uh, being so open do you, do you get that? I
4: just I just received a DM right now uh, you know on my Instagram account what is wrong with you that you have to be seen so much? Mm. (laughs) You know, I get these all the time. I get wonderful feedback, a lot of good energy. But there's also, you know, this kind of feedback, because, you know, I I don't really do anything crazy on Instagram, so I don't get any crazy feedback. But, you know, these are the the kind of feedback that I also get. Why, you know, I talk about self-love and people mistake it for being um, selfish, for example. You know, so I get that kind of feedback. So I get shame for being selfish. You know, I, we talk about whatever we talk about, there's a lot of shame in our culture. You know, people try to shame you um, to stay quiet, you know, and the more you stay quiet, you know, I always say the more you stay quiet, the more that shame metastasizes
0: you are about i mean a lot of your content is about healing it's about um sharing uh it's about talking about issues and and Mm -hmm. i guess i mean we do come from it it's not a stereotype we've had psychologists on the show say this we come Mm -hmm. from a culture that has traditionally rejected therapy <laughs> like has, has yes. been like uh, don't call it that you know i i am going for counseling <laughs> i'm going i'm going to get some advice i am not going for te- therapy you know uh, but uh, but that i mean that's a uh as someone who fundamentally believes in therapy myself that's a um mm-hmm. i know that that's always been a, a difficult one for me that are that culturally Iranians are uncomfortable with the idea of talking through issues or perhaps letting down their guard enough to say, I have issues.
4: Speaking of therapy, Jean, one of the biggest things that I get shamed on on Instagram is the fact that people come and tell me, you're not a therapist. You're not a psychologist. How dare you come and talk about these topics? Who are you to talk about these topics?
0: And you say what?
4: And I say, I'm just a woman sharing my experiences and I, I bow to you. if you like to listen, that's wonderful. And if it resonates with you great, and if it doesn't, I bow to you and you're welcome to leave. It's just as simple as that. I, I, you know I don't I don't have to defend myself. I'm just sharing my you know I'm just I'm just sharing my experiences. And if it resonates with someone great, and if it doesn't, and I don't go into technical stuff, I just talk about my experiences. And I'm not going to get shamed into talking about them.
0: And you don't say that you're a psychologist, do you?
4: (laughs) Never. I actually make the disclaimer. I say I'm not a. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm just the woman talking about my experiences and the experiences of people that I've seen around me. So, and that's you know, I guess that's my way of truly making um, connection with other people. I think. Mm. I think um, somebody was saying, you know, we all want to live, you know, in order to live a life well-lived. You want to you wanna, uh, live wholeheartedly. And part of that is um, you know, practicing compassion and, co- and connection hmm. and courage. And you know, in our culture, the courage to be seen is huge. Nobody really wants to be seen. You know, they're scared to be seen because they're going to get judged big time. Oh yeah, We all know it. And God forbid you're a little bit different or you stand out.
0: Let me ask you about that courage. Uh, and let's go back. You, you, you're you born in Tehran around mm-hmm. the time of the Islamic Revolution. You come to California from Iran as a kid in the mid-80s with your parents and your younger brother. Uh, and you've told me you, you had a really difficult time assimilating into the U.S. Could you have imagined... Think of Kusha as the kid in the in the eighties and the in the nineties. Uh, could you have imagined you'd be opening up yourself and your life uh, to the world on camera the way you do these days?
4: Hell to the no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I never imagined such a thing. It just it just happened. I, I you know it just happened. You know, especially the kind of background and the kind of family I, I come from. I never I never imagined myself doing that. My mom is an intensely private person. Uh, you know, and she has great influence in my life. And to this day, whatever my mom says, you know, I do and I listen because she's always right. But I never imagined that this would happen. I never imagined I would have videos on Instagram. And, uh, you know, my my husband is um, not on social media, he has a great disdain for all. You know, social media. and Here he I am. Does? You know, he has a he disdain does. for social media. He he's not. He just you know he, he probably has a fake account and comes and checks my stories.
0: <laughs>
4: uh, well, 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 the, this is
0: interesting. He has a disdain for social media, but <laughs> he, his, he's an he,
4: intensely private person. He's intensely private, but he supports me wholeheartedly. Very nice. Wholeheartedly, yeah.
0: And and it, but does he watch your stuff? Does he? C- kind he of,
4: does, c- and he just does grammatical corrections. And <laughs> you did this.
0: <laughs> but 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 hang on a second. Two steps back? Because you've said you felt like an outcast as a kid, and and and, and, and you've asked. you've even posted, you've talked about that, that you still do sometimes. It does, I always do. You
4: do. I feel like a misfit, complete misfit, absolutely.
0: So 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 becoming a popular social media personality it doesn't make you feel less like an outcast.
4: Not at all. Not at all. I I feel like you know I was telling my son this other day, you know, as he's going through the challenges, almost approaching middle school, and. He he was always like, Mom, did you ever feel like a misfit? I'm like, Cameron, I always feel like a misfit. I I mean, we're all, I mean, you know, I'll never fit in. I don't think anyone will ever really fit in. And, you know, there's a really good reason for that. And I'll tell you what it is. Objects fit in. Things fit in. (laughs) You know, like lumps of concrete fit in holes. But humans can't fit in. Unless we're like reduced to lumps. You know, and we like numb ourselves to life and adventure and the possibility of transformation. We can't fit in. You know, we relate, we feel, we experience life firsthand. You know, we have like shifting attitudes and perspectives that we can't fit in. So, you know, and then if we want to fit in at what cost, you know, like, you know, our sanity, our peace or awakening? How do we, how do we squeeze ours? How do we fit in? So I really never wanted to, um, you know, Gretchen Marx has this famous saying, you know, I never wanted to be a fit or be a member of a club that wants me. I just, you know, I, I rather belong. I I wanted belonging, but I didn't want to fit in. And I always would, I always actually, the people that I resonated with were the misfits too. So all my friends are the same
0: as me. Yeah, but <laughs> you much. know, I mean, you must know this at this point. You come off as quite self-assured in your your work on, on camera and yeah. surely there are people, there are either young women or even me. I mean, there are people who watch you and go, this person is so well-spoken. She, you always look amazing. You're immaculate. You know you 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 are confident. Um, uh, you're you're in command of the situations you're in with with folks. When you're looking at the camera, you've got this, uh, uh, like I say, this self-assurance. You look like the ultimate person who f- is fitting in. You're, but you know
4: what? Even the ultimate person that you think fits in, doesn't fit in. Humans can't fit in. We're just constantly shifting. I mean, if you know that about yourself, I mean, that, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Even the, all those cool kids that we think fit in, they really don't. They're just trying to belong. I think that's part of it. But when you do the real work, when you do the messy work, when you, you, you know, you do the practice of um, believing and belonging to yourself, um, like so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with everyone else. I think that's when you know you seem like you fit in because <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're, you people are seeing your authentic self, I guess, and they can relate to you and they can connect to you. Let me um, let me come
0: back to that. Let me come back to the okay. the courage that it takes for you to do what you do, because I think it it's quite brave to put yourself out there the way you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know take me back because you you've said you had a a really happy childhood in Iran. Um, yeah. Tell me about the process of moving to America and how that was so hard for you.
4: I just had a beautiful childhood in Iran surrounded by loving, a large family, loving family members that doted on me. And then we came to the States and there was no one. It was just the four of us, my mom and dad and my younger brother. And my parents just never quite got adjusted to this immigrant life. You know, they had left their comfortable, cushy life and they had to adjust. And it was very, very difficult for them to adjust. And we didn't have any family here. So I mean, it was just like, you know, the cultural assimilation was a little bit tough for me i was such a persian i was always like even though i i left iran at such a younger age i just i'm like one of those i'm still like i feel like i'm a, like kind of fresh off the boat i'm kind of bobby you do <laughs> <laughs> i feel that i'm very persian I'm very Persian But you're also part. very American, so, too. I, I mean, you're, I you're, am, you're, you're you know, am, you've got, you
0: don't have much, you don't have an accent. You're, right. you know, you're very steeped in uh, American culture. You know, a lot, I of am. Your, a lot of your work you've done has nothing to do with the Iranian community in some yeah. cases, right? No, so, it doesn't. Um, it
4: doesn't. But I had a hard time assimilating. I really did have a hard time adjusting. Again, it was that lack of belonging. I no longer belonged to a larger community. And it was really difficult for a few years for me. Immigration. I mean, the immigrant, the immigration journey. I guess is that what you call it? It was very difficult for me.
0: You, you end up um, becoming this successful young woman in the banking industry, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, you know, you're you're kind of an overachiever, right? I mean let's get that out of the way. <laughs> I, yeah, you
4: you were you were <laughs> you were probably
0: very focused at school, you did really well. You you were I don't know valedictorian.
4: <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> no, I wasn't valedictorian. Okay. But, but but I you know again that you know Persian mentality where you have to be enough. You know, if you have certain accolades, if you you know get this title, if you're pretty enough, if you're thin enough, if you you know You marry the perfect person, you'll be enough. So, you know, I I went the correct route. I try to do everything so I can be perfect so that there would be no shame in my game.
0: (laughs) So you become the VP you become mm-hmm. a VP in the banking industry. You become a successful okay. person. You're probably making a bunch of money. Your parents are probably proud of you. And are and, and then there's the breaking point where you pivot to becoming a photographer. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: I know. How does that, how does that work? Well, well, I, I, I mean, one the one first <laughs> thing I
0: think is you probably, I, I, I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm imagining, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a super tradition, especially going back, say, 20 years or whatever, of, of uh women, Iranian women being photographers, especially in the eyes of I your parents going from being yeah. a banker. So, so how did that go down?
4: I didn't know of any Iranian women that were photographers. I, you know, and I remember coming home one day, I'd taken, you know, I used to take pictures of my nieces and nephews and my best friends and knew that I was really good at this. This is my calling. I knew deep down um, and I'd known for a very, very long time. But, you know, it's having the courage to sort of quit my job and, you know, tell my parents, listen, this is what I'm gonna do. For the first time in my life, I did something that was right for me. And I didn't care what the outcome was gonna be. That was the first time in my life and it was the best decision that I've ever made. And I think if you're passionate about something, you work so hard, you don't even realize the hours of the day that you're putting into something, and everything else will follow. And so that's what happened I went home one day and I said guess what guys I'm quitting my job I'm gonna become a photographer that wasn't the first time I'd shocked my parents I had announced that I wasn't going to the, uh, going to law school <laughs> in the 11th hour all right, all right. of having to go to law school so that was the first shock to my parents then this came and this time I remember my mom she's so funny she's like name to Nam you're the vice president Oh, mommy, you're the vice president, Yanichi. I said, Mom, I promised. I've never embarrassed you. I'm not going to embarrass you. It was very foreign to them. It was just, what? What do you mean? You're going to become a photographer? And I think they had this image of, you know, the sweaty photographer. I'm back in the old country. Like they just, it just right. they just couldn't put it together so it you know i got a little resistance from my family from my husband's family from everyone
0: so okay so you but, were already married and oh and i was already
4: married you're married, already married
0: you yeah. got this successful marriage you're vp at a bank and it's yeah. like all right you know it's going to be interpreted even though you were far too young for it to be called this but like as some kind of midlife crisis she's she's suddenly <laughs> no I was very, very young it wasn't a, it wasn't right. a midlife crisis <laughs> no 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 i know it's like the equivalent They're like a, i'm le- she's leaving the stable life to try Don't you know she's you, she's going princess margaret on us she's gonna like oh, yeah. you know I mean? and, go <laughs> and,
4: and i tell you i tell you i remember it was a very difficult decision i was actually i was i felt very passionate about it but you know what there was these like little old voices in my head are you doing the right thing oh my god what if you fail what if people laugh at you and i remember i was at a wedding one night and i was in the bathroom stall And a girl that I knew that was a very successful dentist who loved photography at the time was outside. She didn't know that I was in the bathroom. Someone came up and said, so-and-so, June, are you the one that's quitting your job to become a photographer? That's what I heard. (laughs) And she said, oh, my goodness, I would never. Who would do that? And imagine, I was in the bathroom stall listening to this, and I was mortified, and I had just a big lump in my throat, and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing, and people are going to ridicule me. And I remember sort of, I had my my shoulders were down, my body language was very, very apparent that I was just not in a good state. I came and sat next to my mom. I said, mommy, this just happened. And she looked at me and gave me the best advice. Uh, this is one advice I'll never forget. She said, Hushe, when you first start out with anything, everyone will criticize you. Hmm. Everyone will transfer their own fears and projections on you. You keep your head down, focus, and just keep going. And I promise you, when you reach a point in your career where you're extremely successful, the very same people that were the naysayers are going to kiss your behind. Those were her exact words. And that's exactly what happened, Gian. Exactly. She called it. Mm. That's exactly what happened. Those same people. You know, people.
0: you don't just go on to become a, a photographer. And for those who don't know you and your story, you become an extremely successful photographer. And... Um, I, I still think about that moment. So, so looking, if you will, through the lens of, of where, where you've come <laughs> to now, it, it seems like an obvious choice. But in that moment, you weren't yet an extremely successful photographer. In fact, you no. Had no, there was no evidence that you were even great at this, right? It, it wasn't like you'd been you know, playing guitar in the basement for the last 20 years and everybody's been no. talking about how great you are. So no. when you say to your mom, I promise you, I will be successful at this. On what basis? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) how did you know that?
4: Stupidity. I don't know. I just felt very passionate about it. And I just, deep down in my heart, I knew that I had a calling for this. I knew that I could do it. And in all honesty, when I focus on something, I do it. And because I do things that I'm passionate about. And it takes me a while, you know, and I, and I sort of redefine myself every decade and I get tired and I do something different. And I have these resting moments where I'm doing nothing. I don't just take on any job. I don't just take on any project. I don't say, oh, I want to do this now. I really focus and I go within and I really think about what is my calling? What's my next step? And then when I make a decision, I'm all in.
0: All right, so. let me let me ask you a little bit about photography before we get back to Kusha's corner and sure. and, and your social media success. Uh, you, you, looking at your photos, I mean, uh, it is. I, I don't believe that anybody would look at your work and and think anything other than this is dazzling. This is this is incredible mm. work. That said. I'm always curious about photographers in this day and age because I, I, I wonder about what the role of a professional photographer is in a world today as opposed to say even two decades ago, even yeah. maybe even a decade ago. What is the role of a professional photographer in a world where everyone thinks they're a photographer? and is using their smartphones and is posting selfies on instagram um it would seem like a job it would seem like a vocation it would seem like a direction that would be out of date that would expire because everybody sort of shrugs and goes well i don't know how to take pictures what is your role and how have you distinguished yourself why do your photos look so much better
4: this is gonna sound at the risk of sounding very um, full of myself. But what the heck? Let's just go ahead. For it. yeah, I think I think that the difference is discernment and taste. I think um, a lot of times people may know how to use a gadget. They might use a camera, but it's not about the camera. It's not about the iPhone. It's about someone that has discernment and has taste to see you and capture you in the best light possible, pun intended. So that's what it is. I mean, you're not hiring me for my photography skills. You're hiring for my taste and my perspective. And I often say a lot of times my pictures are more about me than about other people. It's just Uh. that image that I want to convey. And I do it well. And people think that perfect people come to me for um, pictures, but no, they're they're actually ordinary people, you know. And I and I and I really see the extraordinary in them, and that's what I capture. But if you and take
0: a, a picture, say you're you're taking a picture of a of a coup of, of a mountain, you know, mm-hmm. um, how do you bring taste to that? Isn't it a mountain? I don't,
4: that's why I don't take pictures of mountains. Ah. I take pictures of people.
0: <laughs> ah, I see. I see.
4: <laughs> I'm interested in people. In fact, what's in the fact,
0: difference? Uh, uh,
4: come on people well, i'm are, asking uh, you you tell me is, is it that people I, I think, the mountain is perfect and the
0: and the people are imperfect
4: no it's just that you know you, you you capture a lot more than what they look like it's it's a it's a glance it's the light in their eye it's something that they're not saying it just it all comes through you know and everyone has a story and sometimes when you actually take their picture it tells a lot of stories about oh. them
0: well, let me ask it a different way then, because you've touched okay. on it. You did a video at, at, at one point uh, where you said it's really, I don't know if you remember saying this, but mm-hmm. you said it's really important to get for you to get to know someone in mm-hmm. order to photograph, them, photograph as, them as well as you can. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, yeah, that sounds right. And then I thought, well, hang on a second. Why? How does knowing them affect what your lens sees or how you set them up? Even if you're bringing that taste to your game, you know, uh, uh, what does knowing them change?
4: Um, You know, I always have a few consultations. You know how you have pre-interviews with people to kind of get a feel for them? Sure. Sure. That's what I do when I take photographs. I never walk into a photography session blind, ever. Um, unlike, unlike my car talks. <laughs> but um, I actually, I like to get to know people and, and establish a connection with them first. Because when they feel connected with me, they sort of have their guards down and they allow me to see them the way they want to be seen does that make sense sure um so the more i get to know them the more they get to know me there's less of a wall and they realize that i really come from a place of no judgment i'm not judging them when they're posing i'm not judging them when they're yelling at their husband because they're nervous during the photo shoot and the husband's totally checked out and he doesn't want to be there i'm not judging any of that so they feel a lot more relaxed and they really let themselves be seen
0: you photographed some very well-known figures, some who are icons that are no longer sure. with us. I mentioned Kobe Bryant. Kusha, right. do you have a different process when it comes to those who have been photographed thousands of times? I mean, no. I, I, if I thought, if I was going to interview Kobe Bryant, I'd go, well, this guy's done thousands of interviews. What? what how am I going to make this different? So do you think, how can I get something out of Kobe that thousands of others have not When you when you think about photographing him?
4: I'll be very, very honest with you. The thought never crossed my mind. I just went in it and just was very present and thought, let's just see what we can get today. And, um, you know, maybe I would have done better if I, if I thought that, but I, I was just very, very confident that we were going to get something really, really good that day. And every time we did, unfortunately, I can't show those images, you know, but um, yeah, I never thought about it too much. I would love to give you a much more interesting answer. But no, I think,
0: I think that's that's a very interesting answer in and of itself. It doesn't matter who the subject is as long as you get a no, sense I, of them. You, you the don't, same you process don't for about, everyone. Right, right.
4: Actually, I think that's what made them comfortable with me. I think I had... Um, and I had... Like, for one time, I had this really famous sports announcer. I'm so ashamed that I can't remember his name right now. Not that famous, really famous, I guess. Yeah. But, no, he's <laughs> actually very famous. I just, it's old age or something. But anyways, um, but, you know, I, I actually... And everybody was so afraid because he's very intimidating Uh and um, doesn't have patience for pictures as most men really don't. They don't have time. They don't have, they don't like to sit in. But what I was really, really good at was- Sorry, hang on, hang on a second. Song.
0: Hang on a second. You're, you're saying there's a, it breaks down on gender lines, who's got patients uh, being I photographed? I think so.
4: Women love, women love pictures. Women yeah. love to be photographed. But what I find is our biggest challenge is, first of all, you know, I photograph a lot of families, for example, is convincing men to want to be photographed because, first of all, men don't think they're that attractive. And if you don't think you're that attractive, you don't want to be in front of the lens. And most men really don't think they're that great. Oh, like, really don't.
0: And and women do think <laughs> so, they're attractive?
4: And women do. Women love pictures, you know? So I would always, I always tell, you know, my subjects, the women who come to me, I say, leave the men to me. Don't worry about it. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, when I get to the shoot, and it's usually I haven't met the guys. I've met the women usually. I know when we get to the shoot, you know, I just, I, I don't know, I I have a way of disarming the guys and they end up staying for the photo shoot for two hours and we get great pictures.
0: Interesting. I know. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. And now that I think about it, I mean, I I guess that's true. I don't know a lot of guys who want to no. be in, pho- I, I don't really like photos of it's myself. Rare. It's, yeah.
4: It's rare. And again, it's about being vulnerable. It's about being seen. Most men don't want to be vulnerable. It's a, it's a very vulnerable um, thing to do, actually. Now, I know because I hate being in front of the camera as much as it doesn't seem like it, but I, I really don't like being photographed. Uh, I feel really awkward, and then I know how my subjects feel.
0: Does it matter to you where you are when you're taking photos? I, I, there's On your website, there's this beautiful set of photos from Shiraz and from, I mm-hmm. guess, 2017 when you were traveling yes. in Iran. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I'm going to ask you what it's like photographing in your home country in, in, in Iran, but, oh. but, but does it, I mean, in general, do you, if, if I set up a photo session with you, would it, would you care where it is? Does it change how you do your job?
4: Yes. I, fo- I have to check out the location always. I have to know exactly where I'm photographing because I, a lot of times I would use ambient lights and I follow the light where there's good light. There's going to be great photos.
0: So, so why was Iran so inspirational?
4: <sighs> it was just I hadn't been there for twenty something years, more than that, and it was just reconnecting with mother, reconnecting with home. It was I. I mean, I just get I get teary-eyed just thinking about it right now. It was just again, I felt like. It, it, just going back to somewhere that I truly belonged. Huh. And so it was a very, very special time. And it was my first time there with my children and seeing Iran through their eyes was ex- just very, very special. I, I gotta tell you, I have a funny story about going to Per though. It wasn't the smartest move. I went there, I took my kids there like in the middle of July. In fact, we took great pictures because no other person in the right mind uh, showed up at the Paris police that time of the year, so it was just us. It was I don't know. It was like 110 degrees, and uh, <laughs> but we took great shots. Though so.
0: <laughs> you grew up in Tehran, right? I did. So even when you go back and you're in in a, in a place like Shiraz, you feel like you feel more of a sense of of belonging than you do in California. Say,
4: there's just so much. People are just so loving, and you know words for bossafa. is there a word for bossafo boss in affa.
3: English
0: um hmm uh with uh, I don't
4: know I don't know what bossafo is in, in English but you know there's just I just it just reminded me oh, of my, my... aburu <laughs> 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 uh, word
0: <laughs> <laughs> more words that english that we don't have in english um, ta-
4: okay there there are three words that i can never translate one is aberu yeah. one is and one yeah. is tarof tarof yeah 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 i, I just they are concepts I mean, really they are concepts no that, yeah there isn't yeah, yeah. they don't
0: exist yeah.
4: exactly so, I, yeah, I guess I, you know, it, the funny thing is I really don't know very many because my family is kind of all over the world now. I don't really have that many people back home. So I really don't. It's not like I'm going back to family. And, but there's just, I don't know, even I, I connect with the streets. I connect with the trees. I, I guess it's like my memory of my dad is very much alive there. So I just connect on a very deep level. Um, going back to Iran every time.
0: Just before I leave the photography uh, space, because sure. I, I just speaking of Iranians and, and um, self-consciousness, <laughs> do you, do, in your experience photographing uh, Iranians, are, are they more uh, like OCD, like the, the makeup has <laughs> to be right and the hair has to be perfect and stuff? Because uh, no. that, that would be my suspicion if I were to generalize. But I mean, is that true?
4: Not really that wasn't my experience. I think everyone's the same. when everyone shows up in front of the camera again, they're very vulnerable. they see their friends' pictures they want to be just as perfect. they're very afraid that their pictures are not going to come out well. It does every time. I think and then that they spend about you know half hour 45 minutes with me and then we end up having the best time, best experience. they put their guards down and all that stuff goes out the door. No, but generally it's all the same for everyone. Not just for Persians, surprisingly.
0: Tell me about the segue. Tell me about how how did you go from, why did you go from being this person who's got a career chugging along as this successful photographer to -hmm. starting to include yourself in the images that you would put out there and then to begin recording videos. What, what was the evolution uh, Maybe it was
4: midlife crisis. <laughs> maybe it was midlife crisis. You're you know, still just,
0: too young for that. Come on.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to, you know, what I think what it was is, you know, I, I went through that and I experienced um, a lot of success. Um, and then there was a the point where that image wasn't even serving me in, in, anymore. The photographer everywhere. I went, oh, she's the photographer, but it wasn't serving me anymore. And, you know, all these images, all this, uh, all my life that, you know, you have to be this to be enough, you have to be this, you have to be this. None of it was serving me anymore. So I went into a contemplative, contemplative? State. Contemplative,
0: yeah. Yeah.
4: Com- yeah, one of those words I can't say. Uh, you know, I had to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of introspection, get really messy, you know, uh, you know, soften sort of into the hard edges of life, you know, mm-hmm. not shy away from discomfort, all that stuff that, you know, us Persians don't really do that much, mm-hmm. you know, dig deep into my psyche, figure out my deepest fears, you know, m- make friends with being a little bit more vulnerable, make friends with being more uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, start, you know, building boundaries, um, start cultivating more compassion, you know stop comparing myself to other people so much. And then uh, a stronger me came out of it. You know, I felt like I was a little bit more everyday. I was a little bit more authentically empowered. And that took a couple of years. I mean, I just basically shut it down. I wasn't photographing anyone. I was just doing a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, a lot of introspection, Um, which, again, I think a lot of us don't really have the opportunity or the desire to do. But um,
0: is putting yourself in front of the camera a part of the catharsis, part of the healing? No, the
4: no, 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 it wasn't actually part of the healing. I'm sorry, I didn't continue to what I was saying. So once I got to that stage, I realized, and there's no stage, but once I got to this particular point, I realized, you know, there's a lot of people that are experiencing what I'm experiencing. You know, when I would talk to people and we would have these like moments of connection, and be like, that's exactly how I feel. And I thought, you know what? We talk about where we get our nails done. We talk about everyone's on Instagram talking about their shoes, about their dresses, tagging this person, talking about superficial things. Why not talk about some real deep topics? You know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong about sharing something, some, you know, where there's like points of connection with people? Do you you remember the first
0: topic that, that you talked about where you realized, whoa, there's an audience that really wants to engage at this level?
4: Yes, I had a car talk, and I think I was talking about um, how we listen to say something versus really listening to hold space for someone. And we respond out of our discomfort uh, not to, again, hold space for someone. And, And when I talked about that, the amount of comments that started coming in was crazy. It was just, I mean, I just saw this response that I'd never seen before. And I knew I was onto something.
0: Wow. Tell me, say that again. So, the, the difference between um, listening to save a space for someone versus listening I think, to think about what the response is going to be, what your response
4: is. I think is oftentimes, be. you know, we want to be there. Like, let's say we want to be there for our friends. Right. Jian, you are talking to me about something, opening up, and I'm listening to you. Yes. And a lot of times, we haven't learned to hold space for people and just be present with their experience exactly as it is. And just stay quiet ah, and just have their hand of on their shoulder. F-
0: ushering a prescription as quick as possible for them and exactly. telling them what to do. Ah.
4: Because ushering a prescription is really not about them. It's about our own discomfort with the subject matter. It's about our own fears. It's about our own projections. It's about the fact that all of a sudden we're so uncomfortable with our own sensations that we want to prescribe something for the other person. Well, wait a minute, though. If you, of-
0: say, if you say I'm experiencing a a lot of anxiety this has been really difficult for me and i mm-hmm. and i say hmm you know have you tried bikram yoga you know why is that um, about my discomfort why isn't that coming up with a, a, an idea that has yeah. worked for me
4: because at that moment that person might not just might not want to fix they just want to talk right you know, I think a lot of times I already knew the to answer that I was trying
0: to, to, to be honest, <laughs> when I've gone through some really difficult things in my life, uh, the, the the thing that shocked me the most was that everyone had a prescription and they were all exactly. different.
4: Brother, you, you should
0: try Jesus Christ, you know, or yoga yeah. or these pills or this it's, or that. It's just like, OK, I, enough already. Thank you, everybody. Instead you know, of saying, like, right.
4: <laughs> instead of saying, Gian, what's causing this anxiety? What's going on with you? Right. you want to talk about it? And just sitting there and holding space quietly, I can have my hand on your shoulder and just offering my presence—maybe all that you need at that moment. Not a quick fix.
0: Who is your Who is your audience?
4: My audience—you'd be surprised. It's—it's—it ranges from 18-year-old girls to 55-year-old, 60-year-old grandmothers.
0: Is it mostly women? It's
4: everybody. It's, it's, uh, it used to be mostly women. Men are quickly uh, finding my page and actually coming on and expressing their opinions. And it's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, my, it's definitely a deeper audience. That's for sure. It's people that are a little bit more, they're, they're critical thinkers. They're, um, you know, I guess they're looking for some meaning in their life.
0: I mean, it's also just fun sometimes too. It's not, you I mean, got to make it fun. Not, you uh, got to make it yeah, a Yeah, Not to give people there, the wrong you know? idea. that it's, 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 It can be super it's fun and so funny. Heavy. But as, as the audience has grown, has your sense of responsibility or the pressure you feel around the topics you choose or what you're going to say or do changed? I mean, I
4: don't really feel pressure. I talk about things that I want to talk about. Obviously, I, I like to use discernment and, um, think about what my intention is for posting something. I always examine my intention. I set an intention. Um so, so you did a recent it, thing.
0: You, you you and your friend Masa did a recent
4: thing. <laughs> you have to bring on Masa. Well, it's it's very entertaining. I, yeah, she's great. I love her. Yeah. So <laughs> so you
0: I think it was about connection love connections or something um uh-huh. does that make what sense
4: what are we talking about what? no which one we uh, talk about it we oh, talk about is, is that
0: a uh, love connection we need
4: our own show we need our own reality show massa and i that's what we need it <laughs> would be
0: crazy <laughs> so so when you say you you think about what your intention is so first of all uh, uh, sorry let me just figure this out so do you book it like it like hey um maximini uh, I'm going to do a car talk with you, meet me in the car <laughs> at uh, you know, yeah, at 2 p.m. Yeah, it, and, and then, I, you know, you think about what the topic's going to be. How, how does it I work? I
4: swear to God, I, everything has con- just worked out so organically. I, I would love to think that I'm that organized. And, you know, I, I'm not, it's just, everything just keeps happening organically. I don't know. You know, it, it just happened that once Masa and I were talking about love languages, And the different languages of love, you know, which is like acts of service and physical touch and gift giving. We're each saying what our language is, love languages, right? So I turned around and I said, I I don't know, the conversation somehow led to Max Amini I'd never heard of. I mean, I'd never talked to Max Amini. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I said, you know, that comedian Max Amini says this. And so apparently someone sent it to Max Amini. He went and saw my page. And according to him, he fell in love with my page and the message, the message of my page. So he reached out and said, that was really funny. I loved it. And we just got to talking and said, hey, Max, want to come on, and, you know, join us on our car talk? I'll bring Massa. And that's how it happened. <laughs> we met for like five minutes before we actually all hopped in the car. We had never seen each other before. And the conversation just happened organic. It just flowed. And we taped it for 40 minutes straight, and that's exactly what it was. You
0: know, you know what's so amazing about I mean, there's a lot of things that I hate about the Internet and social media. I find incredibly toxic and damaging and, you know, all kinds of things. But, but, but I have to say, I mean, this is so 21st century. Like, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't do this. 30 years ago, no. you know, if you were you would have to pitch this to a TV network and wow. then they'd have to like, you know uh, Create a set and put I mean you're a photographer, you know this you would have to like and yes. then they create a car And then they would micromanage it and there would be an executive producer saying no You should sit on this side and we're gonna book Maximinium. we have to tell him what he's gonna say and I mean It, yeah. we, it just wouldn't and yet you're doing this And it's caught fire. I mean, there's people who want to watch this. They're interested. They're they're genuinely (laughs) excited. No, no, I'm not shocked at all. I'm not shocked at all. I'm just saying this is the best part of what... New media has has uh, enabled to me. This is the best part: it it is, is that someone part. like you can, um, who should have an audience, because you're you're doing and saying things that are helpful to people and that people want to see and hear. You can have a platform now that you would not only would you have to like audition for, try and you know, or somebody would have to you know sort of make you a kingmaker and for you to have that platform, but you wouldn't even necessarily be able to do it in such an organic way. You know, it it, yes. it would be. Be micromanaged like I said you know I mean there'd be some network you know doing focus groups on what you should be <laughs> what what the what the topic should be you know so it's amazing and you you're... know
4: I'm sorry to cut you off Please, Sean, no, but you go know go the ahead. conversations with NASA and I actually the first time I remember having a car talk with NASA which happened again very organically we were at a restaurant and she said something to me which I'd never known I said NASA we're going to go in the car and you're going to repeat what you just told me because it was shocking and I'd known her for a while, but what I didn't know is she had been engaged four times and married three times. She's on her third husband. And she was unapologetic <laughs> and very proud of her experience. And she shared this experience in the most beautiful, unapologetic, humorous way possible. And, you know, that stigma of divorce in our culture. It was just the, a woman coming out and standing in her power and saying, Yes, I've been married three times. And guess what? Anything in life that you do, they encourage you to do it over and over again. And they encourage you to fail at it. And they say, Get up and do it again. But how come we only can be married once and we get judged for it if we get divorced? Hmm. You know? And she came and said this. And I thought this was powerful. This is what I want my Iranian audience to hear. And it's not about, you know, my page, just like the podcast that you have, Gian, is a connective tissue between all yes, Iranians, yes. you know, the Iran inside Iran, outside of Iran. It's not about people in Iran. It's, it's about everybody. And I wanted women to hear this because we're constantly shamed for everything that we do. And so these are the kind of subjects that I wanted to talk about. In, in a very simple way, not even, I don't want to have some esoteric language, I don't want to be complicated. I want to make it funny and I want to make it simple, but get the point across.
0: And what have you learned about people? I mean, if you can, uh, it, obviously this is an educational journey for you too. What have you learned about people by starting this channel?
4: I've learned that everyone takes things very, very personally they can't sit in their own discomfort. People are, get very I mean, uncomfortable very quickly, discomfortable, they get uncomfortable very, very quickly. And us Iranians, the amount of, um, again, we shame a lot. When we go into that uncomfortable mode, we turn back and shame other people. I've learned that um, we are really good at giving a lot of love, But also, we we shame each other quite a bit. I've also learned that people really struggle with the concept of being alone. Mm.
0: Um, How did you learn that?
4: Quite a bit. Uh, You know, I get the DMs that I get. You know, people are constantly wanting to find belonging outside of themselves. Mm. We've never been taught that in order to, you know, truly belong, we got to, you know, you got to. You got to become friends with yourself. You got to make friends with yourself. You're your only true love and connection. And so, people have a really difficult time. So they find it through, you know. And, and you know, we talk about dating a lot. I start by talking, you know, about relationships and dating because that's actually a way to get to know ourselves better. Yeah. You know, and when when you're in that kind of a situation, that actually forces you become so vulnerable. It forces you to look within. It's an opportunity. It's an invitation for you to look within and try to get to know yourself better.
0: We had. Um, do, you, do you know who Tina Parsa? Tina Parsa mandes is. She does a.
4: Unfortunately, not. I don't.
0: She does a. She does an in- Instagram show called Insight with Tina Parsa. But anyway, she's a. Mm-hmm. She's a clinical psychologist. She's living in Tehran now. And okay. uh, you know, we hear so much about what's happening in Iran. You know, the jang and like the, the, the explosions and assassinations and you know, economic strife and mm-hmm. and and COVID and what. And uh, and I asked her, well, what's the number one thing that people come to you for as a psychologist, as a therapist? And she said, relationships. relationships. Yeah,
4: relationships. That's it. That's all people want to talk about. In fact, you know, I'm not a relationship advisor. That's not what I. I've been married for as long as I remember. <laughs> I haven't been in the dating world. I'm not here to. But what? But the reason we talk about relationships a lot on our on my page, we as I say Masana talk about, is because it's actually the first step to getting to know yourself. It's always like someone else instigates that for you to kind of look within. Because my page is really about more like self-fairness and self-compassion. It's mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. this getting to know oneself. It's not really about finding happiness with another person. If you if you if you're happy, then you can share your happiness with another person. But another person is not gonna bring happiness to you. It's gonna be temporary if you're not happy with who you are and your circumstances exactly as they are.
0: But it can be so good for a temporary while when they bring yeah, happiness to you.
4: <laughs> it, it, it is. It is really better than any drug. It really is. But, but it's short-lived. It really yes, is. If I you're not, you. I got you. If you're not rooted in yourself, it's just temporary. It's like any other distractions, you it really is. Yeah. And we're constantly trying to distract ourselves to not get uncomfortable with, with shopping, with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with this, with that, you know? We, we try to fill up any white space in our life not to think about anything, because we're so constantly running away from ourselves.
0: Are there places you won't go in your conversations? I mean, you don't do anything. I'm, I'm not talking about like offensive, no, 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 like no, you I'm, know, I'm racist or something. I'm just saying, is there, some, <laughs> is there some kind of content that you just kind of think, I, I, don't, want Problem. I don't want to go There's
4: down. a lot of content. You know, listen, at the end of the day, I'm a very conservative Persian girl. <laughs> just, I mean, there's a lot. I, I, you know, I always... You know, There are. There are probably. I don't talk about politics very much, especially in our in our, you know, in our divided country right now. I just don't. I've learned my lesson. I just don't. Because, you know, know, listen, I'm not going to change anyone's mind. Right. I'm not changing anyone's mind. You know, my people have their own opinion. Uh, The other half, uh, I bow to their opinion as well. They have every right to their opinion. And everyone's pretty much made up their mind. But I saw at some point you were
0: quite outspoken about calling yourself an immigrant. And I thought, that's probably not going to go over so well in parts of Orange County. You know, that's... uh, um."
4: No, I mean, pretty much everyone knows I'm an immigrant in Orange County. (laughs) And I'm pretty well known in Orange County. Yeah, no, I don't think that was... that. And there are so many of us here. So, no, I don't think that was going
0: to be a problem. I well no I just well that I guess I should explain you were putting that you were saying that in the context of taking a political position uh that would it would have been a um
4: Yeah I didn't I appreciate the ban I appreciate the ban The Muslim ban and, ban. and, that, yeah. Muslim
0: ban and, that, and that Yeah and, and their, I don't
4: think that's a liberal position I just think that's a human I mean that's just like you know I, anyone with some morals would agree that that was just the ban was immoral
0: Would Massa agree <laughs> you have to ask NASA because <laughs> I know she's. I've, I've watched <laughs> enough of your videos to get the sense <laughs> she's a, she's, She likes strong. Uh,
4: you, li- you have to ask NASA about her opinions. How, like, you know. And,
0: how do you decide if you're going to speak in uh, most of your your Kusha's Corner content is in English, but But you're obviously very fluent in, in in Persian in Farsi. How do you decide if you're going to do English or, or Persian?
4: Um, this was supposed to be a travel blog. It was the English-speaking page, and then um, you know all the Hambattans, my Iranian friends, started you know following this page. Right. And, you know, there's something very contagious about their energy, and I was getting so much love, and they are so sweet, and, like, who should you speak more Farsi, please, we want to understand, and how could I say no to them, and then before you know, and then I went to Iran, I was feeling the vibe, I was just like, you know, I got really, after all these years learned you know to write and read Farsi a little bit worked on that a little bit more and more I made horrible mistakes people were making fun of me when I first was first writing Farsi just and even saying stuff I was saying everything incorrectly and then just started the flow and before you know it I was speaking more Farsi and writing more Farsi than I was English it's just recently that I've sort of try to, you know, maintain a balance again. But then I was being shamed for speaking English after a while. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm doing. You, yeah. Oh, you, you were asking me what do you get shamed most? When we speak English, people try to shame us. They try to think that we're, you know, we are uh, all kinds. They accuse us of all kinds of things. Um, like what? What's yeah, it's, wrong, a, it's a what, no-win what, situation. What's
0: wrong with speaking English?
4: Um, okay, so when I'm speaking Farsi, the Iranians here, they think you're sort of fobby and, you know, my, my, my longtime friends would snobbishly to say, well, you know, I, I would read your content, but it's in Farsi and I I have trouble reading Farsi as if like they were born in Paris and moved here like, you know, like 80 years ago. So there was that they, they would snob me a little bit mm-hmm. when I would speak English, you know, all the Iranians would think that I'm just uh, trying to get away from my culture and <laughs> pretend So there's like this no win situation, you know, (laughs) you can't win with anyone, you know, I would listen to Persian music and my friends here would be like, you know, they have a word for that. I know Shia knows this word, Um, you know, oh, she she listens to like Persian music, you know, Javot, exactly, I didn't want to say it. (laughs) Also a word that
0: I don't think there's an English equivalent to. (laughs) There is. <laughs> why did you want to say that? It's not a dirty word, is it? I don't know. No, no,
4: no. <laughs> but you know, oh, you know, if, if I listen, you know, but but that's part of me. I enjoy it. I'm just, you know, I <laughs> when I listen to Persian music, it just something it speaks to me. I <laughs> love <laughs> that.
0: <You know>? Heili <laughs>
4: You know, there's just so much judgment. You can, know, can, can I tell that's you? why I say I'm a mixed
0: can I tell you the best thing? Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things doing Rook is getting messages or emails mm-hmm. or um, people commenting who are listening in Iran. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I, I, I do know why I mean it's it's a, I because you really get the sense of the, that the world isn't as big as you, you know it needs to be right It's it, mm-hmm. or, or or that it has been uh, and that how that connective tissue that commonality it just I get a buzz out of it I, I, I mm-hmm. have to imagine you have a lot of people in Iran now following you yeah
4: I do I think about 30% of my audience are people inside of Iran you know The cool thing is, you know, people... And those are the people that are very opinionated. You know, if you look at my comment section, it's all in Farsi. It's because those are the very people that are, you know, making their opinions. known. I think maybe part of it is because Instagram is really the only social media platform right now in Iran. So there's a lot more, you know, they're all on there. Maybe here, you know, people watch your stories or they like, you know, they see your posts. They don't, they're very indifferent. They don't say anything. They're actively watching. But they don't comment. But Iranians in Iran, they will make themselves heard. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So they give you a lot of love. They give you a lot of, you know, whatever. Mostly love. I get a lot of love on my page. I get a lot of love, I gotta tell you. It's a it's a loving you do. page. just all you do, I very see positive. that.
0: I see that. People yeah. are yeah. big fans of you and big fans of what you do. And I'm I have to say, first of all, I'm starting to. Uh, I don't show that. I'm like, you're, you're poor. You, you're sitting in a car. Uh, I'm good. Do, have you opened the window a little bit or something? Like, I mean, don't no, suffocate. About me.
4: I'm all set. I have my coffee. <laughs> I have my air conditioner. Okay. I'm, I'm a pro at this. <laughs> well,
0: you're not idling. That's bad for the environment, you know. Uh, uh, so I, I won't keep you forever. It's it has been such a, a a joy to speak to you. Really, truly, I've been looking forward to this. There is something that. Um, you know, I know you've dealt with um, difficult times in your life. You've, you've intimated it a few times through this interview where you said, you know, I, I, I need to heal. I went through this period, et cetera. Uh, you wrote something in, in April 2017 uh, on one of your platforms that I, I jotted down. I think you were speaking to or of your son, and you said, I hope I can teach him to see that it is necessary to let things go simply for the reason that they are heavy. So let them go. Let go of them. And tie no weights to your ankles. I hope I can learn this myself. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: I love that, what you wrote there. I, I want you to tell me, if you can, what inspired you to write that or what that means to you today.
4: Hanging on to stories we make up in our head that weigh us down hanging on to stories from the past and hanging on to stories from our envisioned future that really weigh us down. When practicing presence is really practicing self-compassion, just being in this moment, just now letting go of all expectations, all the weight, everything that's just pulling us down. And I keep practicing that every single moment to be a little bit more present. Meditation is a huge part of my life. Um, And self-compassion. Every time I'm hard on myself, every time I have that heavy weight to come back and talk in a very loving way to myself and just tell myself, listen, you're imperfect, but you're enough. Let go of the story. Let it go.
0: And I'm assuming let go of things from your past that made you angry or that, um people that you've been angry at or um that kind of weight that you've carried
4: coming, yeah coming to peace with it befriending it um uh, forgiving it but also forgiving the parts they can't forgive yet if that makes sense um yeah I get it forgiving you know forgive me you know I I always tell myself you know forgive and if you can't forgive that's okay forgive the parts that can't forgive just yet so when you do that you release the pressure you re- release the weight there's no pressure to even forgive i can't forgive right now i'm okay with not forgiving and i'm going to love the parts that i can't forgive and that takes pressure that's just releasing you know when i'm in yoga a lot of times our teacher would say uh i practice a lot of bikram yoga and i in fact that's what i miss most about in, in this times of covid is that i can't be in my yoga studio. yoga yeah hot yoga seven days a week Wow! and so one of the yeah one of the things and that was therapy that's that's cheap therapy right there is hot yoga Mm. um but when i was in there in that in the midst of that heat you know and and this is the difference between bikram yoga and regular yoga you know in bikram yoga you're in intense heat the lights are you know all the way up there is this annoying teacher yelling at you, pretty much,
0: yeah. to do these
4: poses yeah. for yeah. like an any, you know an hour and a half. These twenty-six poses yeah. versus regular yoga, where you go in, they're playing some beautiful music, and everything is ideal, and everything's really supposed to sort of stroke your ego, <laughs> in a way, right? So in regular yoga, you know, you come out, and there's incense, there's music, you come out, relax and then there's a car that pulls over right when you're driving out and pulls in front of you and you forget all that, <laughs> and you start honking. <laughs> was and wondering you know, where you're going. You lose yeah, all yeah, your yeah, peace.
2: Yeah and, yeah.
4: and then there's Bikram yoga, right? There's like the lights are on, the annoying teacher is shouting at you, there's intense heat, and you learn to become comfortable in your discomfort. Mm. So if you can become comfortable in that situation, you can become comfortable anywhere. So when you're in that parking lot and the car pulls in front of you and they honk and they give you the middle finger, guess what? You look at them you're like Namaste, I've I was just spin I've been through <laughs> worse. This is nothing. <laughs> you know? I did uh, I to did
0: pretty intensely for a few years, you know. Did you really yeah. Enough already. Uh, no, that,
4: you, this would be a good interview if I told you what Bikram <laughs> himself said to me one time. Oh, boy. But but uh, but because everyone was like, how could you practice Bikram? And I said, Bikram is actually, you know, I, it's one of the best gifts of my life. Mm. Bikram yoga was one of the best gifts that life could have thrown my way. So, um, no, yeah. No, Rasta
0: that the reason I... I, I got I found it difficult is because uh I sweat a lot and so mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's first good. of all first of all you got to be ready for it so you got to go half an hour before and get shavasana and get you know prepared and then it's like it's 90 minutes and then yes. afterwards you got to have to take a shower and you have to I mean it's like a it's 3 a hour excursion who can a afford this time <laughs> I go to the gym I get right on the treadmill I'm done an hour boom you know, that's But this the,
4: is like it's it's oh my god, but it's the transformation I know, I know. and what it does for your know, body is I phenomenal. Know, so anyway, so I'm sorry you can't you can't, I mean I can't wait I'm counting the like the minutes so I can get back oh, into that hot addicted. hot studio yeah, I know I'm addicted
0: I am so grateful for the time you spend listen I know you have no roadmap you've made that very clear it's all just you go you you, you follow as as we say in Canada with hockey references you follow the puck you're just following the puck <laughs> with your with your successful little show and stuff but um do you have a sense of where you I mean do you do you want to do kusha's corner for for years, do you do you uh, or do you feel like this is s- this is the calling that you have found for yourself at this point in your life?
4: I have no idea. We're just going to have to take it a day at a time.
0: A I day no at a idea. time.
4: A day. Yeah, at any a time.
0: It, it, like you might end it tomorrow. Come on. But, that's,
4: uh, you, you listen. <laughs> okay, a month at a time. I don't right, know. Right. Uh, <laughs> give year. me uh, give me
0: a year. I'm, You're going to do it for at least another year.
4: And we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I think it's gonna it's gonna go in an interesting direction. We'll see how it goes.
0: Thank you for this today. What a joy! What a pleasure! your um, <laughs> you, of course you're you're so accessible to talk to. I I only wish my voice wasn't in this uh, over the last uh, hour. I mean, we we just need yours. It's it's such a, a great voice to listen to, and and your insights and the work you've done is um, is so valuable. Thank you for doing it, and thank you for coming on today.
4: Thank you, John. It was my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Kusha Alakband is a renowned photographer, host of the popular internet series, Kusha's Corner. Kusha joined us from Newport Beach, California today. was a fun conversation that went in a number of different directions. I knew she would be accessible to to speak to but and she certainly was that was uh, um, that was great. Uh, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon have their mics back on. Hello. Mm.
1: Hi. Kusha. she's a she's a character. I liked her. (laughs) You know what it is. Certainly a character. I'm always interested to hear how other Iranians immigrated to you know the new homes and how they made how they built their life so it's it's always nice to hear different perspectives from that
0: she has certainly done you know when when you, clearly an a-type personality mm. who's and she said perfectionist and all that and um i i would only guess her parents are very proud of her of no course. doubt you know uh, uh, for the, the kind of success that she's had captain reza
3: yeah i like what she when she was talking about being a misfit and and Really, like her perspective on nobody really fits in, everybody's just shifting everyone's around. a misfit. Every, I love everyone that. Yeah, is a yeah. misfit. It, it, was, it was beautiful. I loved it. She, it was a, I, I, Truth be told, going into the interview, I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't think that I would. It would be my cup of tea, really, because her target demographic probably is different. But I really enjoyed it. I really, truly enjoyed it. Yeah, she was, she had a different perspective. Her Fresh.
0: target demographic is not captains. <laughs> so you
3: know, <laughs> yeah 50 as year a old captain. Man. as a captain, captain of leadership. misfits <laughs> that's right captain of misfits uh
0: shaya Um shaya june
3: <laughs> <As
0: he said. laughs>
2: i really like the uh, the interview and also i i, I really like that point that you brought up about the um, for 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 modern technology yes. that we can use them in a in a good way to you know for example 10 years ago it 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 was yes, impossible yes. to mm. ha-
0: she's reaching people and, and resonating with folks in on platforms that didn't exist and and wouldn't and she wouldn't have been able to use yeah. uh, 20 years ago for sure and so people would be missing out on what they're loving so much about uh, KUSHA, yes. Yeah.
2: I also I have a question from you Jian. Uh, yes Shaya. Um I think the 3 episodes ago you said that you feel good that you have some audience uh, from Iran, from inside. Yeah, I said it just now with Kusha. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. and yes, because you just mentioned it. Yeah. it came to my mind that uh, when you had the previous shows, for example, yes. on CBC. Yes. You don't. You didn't have any follower from. Iran
0: um, yes but not really I mean it, they, they were um, as successful as the previous shows I had on big networks were they actually were not as the audience was nowhere near as diverse or international I mean some people on a, with a network like CBC some people can tune in and do so from different parts of the world mm-hmm. but the percentage of the audience like the pie that is the audience for rook, uh, I've never experienced anything like it. I mean we are we intend to be and it's and it's being worn out so far that we are an international show. Uh. I mean, there's a slight percentage higher for Canada and North America of our audience but as I've mentioned a number of times, our audiences in Germany, our audiences in Australia, our audiences in Iran mm-hmm. uh, and and that's not only exciting mm-hmm. and interesting, but it kind of, um, was going to say, uh, F's with your mind a little bit, you yeah. know, in the sense that that uh, you have to think about w- when you're broadcasting, when you're, when you're doing programming, at least in my experience, you're imagining your audience. So if you're doing a local show, you're talking to the people of your town or your city. Yes. And if you're doing a national uh, program or that's your intention, you're talking, about, you're talking to a national audience. So it's an interesting thing to be imagining an international audience with every question, with every comment, with every idea, with every little talk that we have here, to be going, how's this going down in Germany? What's an Australian person ah, yes. going to invest? In, you know is this interesting to someone in, in uh, the Canadian West and also somebody who's listening in the UK? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Iran is a whole other bag. So that's, oh. that's totally interesting for me. And yeah, I, as I said to Kusha, I get such a buzz out of uh, mm. getting, getting those messages from Iran.
2: Getting such a buzz is like getting goosebumps. <laughs> 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 it's uh, it's different from goosebumps. It's different
0: from goosebumps. Uh, getting a buzz is uh, is like because for example, excitement. You get excitement, you know.
2: Uh, well, when yeah. I, when I for example, sometimes when I use pot, uh, uh-huh. my friend <laughs> like, asked me, like did you get pot? a buzz? You mean
0: smoke pot, yeah. A uh,
2: smoke right, pot, yeah. yeah. My uh, my friend asked me, did, did you get any buzz? Buzz, yeah. Uh, is it the same? Uh,
0: it's not exactly the same. I mean, it, for an expert opinion on that kind of buzz, you'd have to talk to Keon. But <laughs>
2: but, uh, but I,
3: <laughs>
0: I mean, there
2: isn't am, oh. there
0: isn't a conversation we can have past nine o'clock on the phone you know where what? she doesn't say, "By the way, I'm sorry, I'm really stoned."
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's only one week out of every month, Gian. You know that week <laughs> where I I'm I need to be yeah. so.
0: Uh, uh, no, imagine this, Shia. Imagine that uh, somebody, uh, somebody you're very attracted to, uh-huh. that you, uh, you know, and that you've just met, and that you're really kind of excited about. It. You wonder where it's going. You keep looking at pictures of the person. You're really, you know, super excited, uh-huh. right? And then you get a message from them, a really good message from them. That buzz. That's the buzz you get from that is the same buzz I'm okay. talking about. You get a little you know, yes. little tingle, a little excitement. But right? you also
1: get goosebumps in that <laughs> situation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think when Shai was like, you get a goosebump,
1: <laughs> which, one, you, which
0: just one, Bing. hard to identify where on the body. Well, but, uh. in
1: that case, you do get one goosebump anyway. That's too far, too far. <laughs>
0: oh dear! Really? Oh, really? Oh. Look at okay. time
1: for letters. <laughs> it is.
0: Uh, it's Thursday. The gang is here. It is time for letters of the week. It's either uh, time for Letters of the Week or time for a, a Mahmoudi a <laughs> are we 1 a.m. dance party. <laughs> going yet? to
1: space. I feel like I'm on a spaceship. Captain, take me to up to the moon. Oh, what yeah. do we got in letters? All right. So two weeks ago on episode 63, we had a feature interview with the inspiring young Afghan rapper Sonita Alizadeh. So on Facebook, we have Farzaneh Sadorian Lou wrote, Good luck to Sonita. Life is precious and challenging. It's worth it to stand tall and strong, to reclaim your right. We are proud of her. She's a good role model for other young ladies. Interesting interview. Thank you, Mr. Jean Romeshi.
0: Uh, thank you, Farzana.
1: And then we have Nazila Rafizadeh. She wrote, I'm so happy for Sonita. She should be proud of herself. It's unfortunate that Iran, claiming to be Islamic, does not allow Afghan Muslims who have taken refuge in Iran to study, but the United States allows her to study at university. And in a short period of five years, she now speaks English fluently and has a bright future ahead of her. Thanks, Gian, for this incredible interview.
0: Thank you, Nazila.
1: And then we have Bahar, last name HGH. She wrote, Sonita has the maturity and wisdom of an old spiritual mentor. She's a lotus flower blooming in from a swamp. Kudos to her for her good heart and her passion to make the world a better place. She is a change, and she will make a change. Love to her.
0: What a great letter. That was Some of these people are writing so beautifully, Keanu. Yeah, eloquently. Yeah. I can tell it's not you. It's the, the letter I know, writer.
1: I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not capable of writing such poetic words.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Bahar.
1: And then moving on to Instagram, we have Mahmoud Moradi wrote... What an interesting program to find out about incredible people from the Iranian diaspora. But I diaspora, you get that? You could (laughs) tell that that's the
0: way he was pronouncing it when he (laughs) typed it. Yeah.
1: But I have a suggestion. Is it possible to add English subtitles to the bottom of every episode? Hmm.
0: Mahmoud, you you confuse me with your words. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, the um. So do you think Mahmoud wants English subtitles for the English parts? Because most of the show is in English.
3: No, I think he meant Farsi subtitles. Uh, but but, but maybe
0: sometimes you're, when you're on Instagram, he's on Instagram. It's actually when you see the subtitles, you can read along. And if you're on the subway or something, you yeah. Don't, yeah.
1: Well, even for me, when I watch Netflix, for example, I like having the English subtitles on because really? I... Really? Yeah, in case I miss something, I can read along. It doesn't
0: distract you from the... Th-
1: no? No. no. No, no, no. And I'm also hard of hearing sometimes, so it's, <laughs> right. it helps. No, and <laughs> yeah. for some
2: people like me that their English is, for example, I'm, my, my English is not good, I'd rather to have subtitles on okay. would well, I, w-
0: I would suggest that we put Farsi subtitles on everything. But I wouldn't be able to read them, so it doesn't (laughs) make much of a difference. Uh, that's, that's that's an interesting one, Mahmud. I mean, if we can do that eventually. Captain Reza, when, when, can you start doing that? Just, just yeah, type him out right there, buddy. Away, I'm just <laughs> throw him on there.
3: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on it. Just exact get uh, on it, uh,
0: uh, yeah. Thanks, Mahmud.
1: Okay. And then we have Samira Tolebi. She wrote, I think this interview has become interesting with the juxtaposition of contradictions. Putting the concept of oppressed girls next to the power of one of them to change her destiny and the meaning of hijab to her. By listening to this episode, I regretted, I laughed, I was upset, and I enjoyed the beautiful songs. In short, almost all my emotions were involved. Wow, who's that Mm. from? That was Samira Talebi. Thank you, Samira. Mm -hmm. And then we have a general letter from a Shahla Taher. She wrote, your program has helped me learn about interesting Iranians who live so near to me, and I appreciate it so much.
0: You threw in a general letter. I did. Yeah. Just, right. just to, thank well, you. it's
1: it's not specifying to any. No, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah. thank you, yeah. And then, so moving on. Uh, last week on episode sixty-five, we had a Rook special on the football legend Diego Maradona, and it's of course after his uh, news of his passing. Um, on that exact day I believe yeah the day after the day after we did it yeah so we had uh, several Iranian football experts players fans and analysts to discuss what the football pop icon meant to Iranians around the world interestingly enough Mm -hmm. and so on YouTube we have a Farhud last name SM he wrote with all due respect to Maradona Hossein Majid's take on this tragedy is hilariously Rook. And in reference to his, uh, his he was essentially saying that Maradona, like people kind of paint him out to be some kind of God. And at the end of the day, he's human and he's, you know.
0: Uh, well, Hossein Majid, I think what Farhoud might be, referring to is he says at one point, I said, but in social media, it was filled with, you know, Iranians posting about Maradona and, mm-hmm. and Jose Majid said, Iranians tend to post about people who die as if they were big fans. But, you know, he, he's kind of basically calling out Iranians for being, uh, <laughs> uh, liars or opportunistic when it comes to death. Um, of course the other guests all disagreed with that yeah. and, uh, and, and believed that there was a significant connection between Iranians, uh, and Maradona. Maradona, because of his rise happening mm. at the same time as uh, the post-revolutionary crackdown was uh, was taking place in Iran, so he was their escape. But um, anyway, that but interesting. Thank you, Farid
1: And then we have uh, username, Uh, nobody give me slack for this because this gentleman doesn't have a name (laughs) listed. Username, Mr. 911 wrote, (laughs) hilarious username, (laughs) Uh, wrote, hello Rook team, a true story for you. On Wednesday, and by that he means last Wednesday, I went home and saw my wife with tears in her eyes. She is Romanian and has a strong personality, so when I saw her so sad it shocked me. When I asked her what the reason was, she gave me the sad news of Maradona's passing. I mentioned this story in reference to Hussein Majid's oh. comments that he wouldn't think anyone other than Argentinians would cry for Maradona.
0: There you go. Don't Nicely so. said, <laughs> Mr. Masood 911. Yeah. Yes, 911, yeah. came to rescue. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, and then on Facebook, we have a Naz last name Khan, wrote, he was the Michael Jackson of football. May he rest in peace. Mm. He was. Or
3: Michael Jackson was the Maradona. No, true. uh, Depending uh, on which way you're looking.
1: Club. And then we have a Sasan Imam wrote, In that famous game against England in 1986, John Barnes was injured and only came on as a substitute in the last 10 minutes or so of the game. He crossed the ball twice. Lineker converted one and could have converted the second one if it wasn't for the brilliance of Jose Louis Brown, the Argentine defender. The point is, if Barnes wasn't injured and could have played the whole game, even with Maradona's hand-of-god goal, I don't think Argentina would have been able to beat England and obviously, the course of history would have changed. That said, Maradona was the greatest footballer ever to grace the game. <laughs> Controversial uh, comment there. Well, I, I wasn't alive. I, I know this. I saw
0: this letter. The thank you, Sasan. <laughs> I love this guy. He's still relitigating the game from 1986. <laughs> yeah, you know, funny. if this had only happened, the Argentinians would have. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, that's my kind of guy. He's, he's so into football that he's yes. wasting his wow. time <laughs> coming up with <laughs> no. theories from how this could have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. Thank Do you, thank you remember
1: Sasson. that game? No. I, I told you, I on, the, 1986. I on the, I do.
0: I was, a, I was a teenager, uh, early teens. But I rem- not only do I remember, I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was sitting with my friend Murray, and I remember watching that game because, of course, I was an England supporter, and yeah. we knew of Maradona. No, I I remember That's it incredible. very well. Yeah, yeah. Wow this kind of if I think it occurs to all
2: events of life
1: that's right. sports that's uh, right yeah. Yeah. If, you could go crazy thinking if yeah.
0: Keon <laughs> wasn't taking so long reading these letters <laughs> the show would end sooner
1: Shaya just brought this up <laughs> <laughs> alright Shaya keep your mouth short <laughs> I'm kidding alright and then on Instagram we have uh, username Dr. Unique Lifestyle oh. and her name is Bita if okay. in case anybody was wondering mm-hmm. she says rest in peace you're awesome, Gian. Not, rest in Wait. peace, recurring to <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> That's great. Let me finish. Gian. <laughs> yeah. When did you die? Rest yeah. in peace. You, you are awesome, Gian. Awesome. Your acute sense of timing and analysis is just amazing. Nader Davudi's part was so hilarious. Forget about Maradona. Watch Ostad Asadi. <laughs> Thanks, Gian. <laughs>
0: You want to explain that?
1: Uh, Os- I, again, I wasn't alive back then But uh, Ostad Asadi was apparently An Iranian football no, no, no. player you, you
3: were alive Was it? When <laughs> Ostad Asadi was around Because <laughs> I was alive
1: <laughs> Are you sure? You're yeah, older than me This was like 1998
3: Ninety- Okay, Ninety- okay Then yeah, yeah. Six, six, Ninety- six, eight, okay. When Iran okay. was not alive it. in 1998 I wasn't Okay, I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry,
1: sorry I wasn't alive to the football world <laughs> To the football Until world. Yeah. 98 yeah. World Cup But yes, go on But I
3: think the backstory to it Is that Ostad Asadi was a Defender in Iran National soccer team Football team Sorry Gian, mm-hmm. And uh, who scored A goal uh, To To our own team Like uh, And, uh, yeah, and <laughs> Ongo beca- goal, on goal. <laughs> on goal, on goal. And he became infamous For uh, being one of the Worst wow. players In Iranian football history Was this
1: during The World Cup? Uh, yeah 98? yeah,
3: Well the, <gasps> oh. Yeah it was in the Preliminary uh, for the World yeah, Cup Yeah it was Okay the, uh, preliminary in the well, I have a
0: story About the 1998 World Cup Now that we're Indulging ourselves so it's, it's 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 too good a story to really waste on this letter section, but <laughs> oh. anyway, uh, uh, the 1998 World Cup, I was on tour with my band, oh. and we were in Arkansas. In the states now, if you don't know United States, Arkansas is kind of the South. You know, a little conservative, very white. We were playing a gig in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and it was the day. I think we had day off the day after. I think it was, and it was the game between Iran and Uh, the United States. Where Iran won in the 1998 World Cup, and Iran ends up winning two to one, and I run out of the hotel. You know, cheering like on the streets of Arkansas. Oh no. You know, like, ah you know and my bandmates and crew were just like, Dude, what are you doing? You know, you're gonna get us killed. Uh, they would have right.
1: probably labeled you a terrorist back uh, then. hundred uh, percent.
0: Oh, you might I mean, as
3: well yell "Allahu
0: Akbar" Arkansas, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, God love them but yeah, no, we were. Uh, in fact, we that that gig I remember at, at, at in Fort Smith, Arkansas it was a big outdoor gig, and we had this song where we uh, made fun of Rush Limbaugh, you know, the right wing uh-huh. radio host, and like literally half the audience walked out. They were so angry at us. I, I remember it, well because I end up writing about it. But uh, I know I it was a, that whole Arkansas experience. Was, wow. Yeah, because they were just like, "Who are these guys making fun of Rush Limbaugh?" So, so uh, yeah, it was I was the lone Iranian <laughs> in Arkansas in 1998 running around cheering oh. for the victory. But I remember it was just such a huge deal, right? I mean, yes. beating the U.S. and the work. It guy. was.
1: I remember that game. It was a that? shifty game. Were You alive then? I was alive. Yeah, that was 22 I, that, years <laughs> ago. That's when I first started watching football because right. of my dad. But yeah, that was a shifty win on uh, Iran's part. What do you mean? It was. It was. It wasn't a clean win. Oh. Like it was just. Do you remember? the goal how dare you. <laughs> you gotta put
3: a negative spin on everything no, of course negative. it wasn't a clean win. From, <laughs> from, keep my quiet.
1: M- <laughs> it, from my memory at least anyway moving on back to the own goal um <laughs> well, uh moving on this week on episode 66 we commemorated the anniversary of the aban protests and massacre in iran last november so um on that episode we had Nazanin ansari she's the editor of Kahon london khan life um, as well, freelance journalist Roshanak Astaraki, and Stuart Williams from the Agence France-Presse uh, on the show to share their views and insights on the situation in Iran one year later. So um, on that very sad episode, uh, we had a, f- a few people write in. We have on YouTube Garshasp Nodon Oh, Garshas yeah. back. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, I always like reading his yeah, comments. what does he have to say? <laughs> he says, good episode and great contributions by the two ladies. Mm. I cannot say the same about the British gentleman who sounded pretty clueless <laughs> on this subject. I
3: was waiting for
0: it, <laughs> Gashoff, was waiting. Throw for us it. a bone. Yeah. Can't there just be one show? That is,
1: yeah. And then he uh, makes a comment on uh, it was Melbourne, Melbourne. Mona from, Mona Melbourne. from Melbourne. Mona from Melbourne. Yes. <laughs> she uh, she was saying um, she made a reference to a Malik Oshara. Is that right? Malik and Oshara. yeah. Right. Anyway, right. so so says Malik Oshara is the nickname for the t- contemporary poet Muhammad Tag. Bahar, Malik means king here, and Malik O'Shara would be translated to the king of poets. Ah, Shai, can we just
0: uh, run that by you? Is that correct? Is that
1: correct? Yes, yes. (laughs) All right.
0: You know, I think uh, Gashasp should uh, join the team, should just come in here, (laughs) do (laughs) live critical (laughs) commentary of everything we're doing. Uh, But I I have a sense of, I have a keen sense of Gashasp's politics. Uh, given that he uh, liked those contributions and the ones he likes he doesn't like, I get it. So anyway, thanks as ever. Keep writing it. We yeah. love it. We love
1: So it goes against yours? Is that why you wouldn't be...?
0: Not at all. <laughs> I, I have no politics. I'm a man of the people. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 sure, <laughs> you <are. laughs> sure you <laughs> are. Sure you are.
1: Well, moving on. So, uh, on Facebook we have a Sohrab Abrari wrote, I love the fact that you guys go beyond just interviewing successful people. This episode was unique, and we need more and more episodes like this. This is the only way we can help Iranians who are suffering. Thanks to you and everyone who is running the show. Very well said. I agree that, that, with that.
0: That means a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. We, we, it's that these are difficult or weird decisions for us to make. I mean, who, what do we know? We're kind of going uh, okay, we had uh, Rezoran hanging on, we had something about Maradona, now we want to make sure to commemorate the one year anniversary of th- that. these horrible events in Iran. So that it gets noticed by someone is, is really appreciated. Thanks for writing that Sohrab.
4: Yes,
1: thank you Sohrab. And uh, it's about time for you guessed it, the letter of the week.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, this week's Letter of the Week goes to Afshin Qanbari Siakali. Mm. He wrote, Thanks for the program, which was great as usual. Listening to your guest Stuart Williams's comments regarding Bloody November makes me sad, and at the same time believe that we as Iranians, both inside and outside of Iran, have undeniably failed to explain to the world the true nature of the establishment in Iran an ideological regime which is extremely repressive in its nature and incompetent in dealing with the various economic and social challenges in a young and progressive-seeking nation, despite the huge natural wealth and human resources. The regime has never ever intended to provide prosperity and progress in Iran. Those who are in charge consider themselves as war conquerors and as a result their only goal is to plunder the land and keep the nation as slaves and hostages. Regrettably this has been going on for the last 42 years. I, and I picked this letter because it's very well written and very well said and you know it's important to remember this. You agree with, yeah. with it? Yeah.
0: Afshin Qambari Kali is what yes, you said? Yes, that's, that's a gentleman. Thank you very much Afshin. You have the letter of the week. It's Thursday, it's the end of the show, it's the end of the letters, that can only be one thing, that's full time for Rook for today. For all things Rook, make sure you head to our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com, to access all of our episodes, our Rook reads, our patrons page. Thank you to the amazing team who put this show together, day after day, producer Susan, Ponta the artist, thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon, Sabi Roham, Aghaya Mehrdad, Master Muhammad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there supporting and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. We appreciate it when you subscribe. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. And remember, as always, Mizun Bashin.